You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko. He's James Rapine. Today, we're joined by Super Bowl at Joe Goodberry on Twitter. Our guest again today, as he has been throughout this playoff run. And when we started covering this playoff run, we talked to Joe and Joe said, you know, I'll join the show as long as they keep winning. And last week we said, hope to talk to you again next Monday. Week before that, hope to talk to you again next Monday. And here we are talking to Joe next Monday because the Bengals continue to win. Joe, how's it going? It's, I mean, it's going as good as it could possibly go. I mean, to think that the Bengals would be here, to imagine they they would be here, even the most diehard Bengals fan, biggest optimist, didn't picture this. Not realistically. I mean, there are people that are cashing their bets right now, which is pretty awesome to see. But uh, I know. Can you even imagine the payout on that stuff? It's crazy. But uh, yeah, I'm doing great, and I'm. It's good to see you guys. Uh, you know, having such success with the Bengals this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to see you. Hopefully, I I get to see your face again. Maybe next week and then uh, two Mondays from now, not this coming Monday, but the next Monday, because then that means, well, you know what that means. Anyways, Joe, what went through your mind? I'm going to get right to it. It's 21-3. The Bengals are on the ropes at Arrowhead. It feels like everything's crumbling. The The national media is saying that they don't belong there and that they're in over their skis and that they were a luckout team that shouldn't have beat the Titans. And you know all those narratives. What was going through your mind at that point? That is a great moment to reflect on I think because um this Bengals team has started slow in a lot of games remember we talked about this halfway through the year to the three-quarter part of the season of how you know how can this team start getting quicker out of the gates and score some points and not be so far down and have to climb back because they won a lot of games that way uh but this is the Chiefs and you're the underdog seven point underdog and you're down big and I remember tweeting at the time if the Bengals don't score a touchdown here it could be over uh, the replies were overwhelmingly, it is over, or it's going to be over, or it's be- it was over two drives ago. And it's funny, like we haven't learned five other times this year, right, that this team yeah. is just not out of it. And that's what I was trying to hold on to, because I think old me would have definitely said, yeah, it's over right now, guys. I mean, this is this is the Chiefs. They're going to score 35, and mm-hmm. if not more. And so – the part where I said it could be over was because this team has clawed, clawed back so many times. And the Bengals did go down and score, obviously. And then they get the stop there right before halftime. And we know the rest of the story. It was an amazing comeback. But at that point, I was nervous. I wasn't completely jumping over the bridge, but uh, I was keeping an eye on it. You know, I got some flack for saying this, but – Yesterday, when we were talking about it in the post game, James said, you know, I never felt like this team was out of it. And the Bengals did just enough for me to never feel like they were out of it. But like you, it was very much on that brink where if they don't get one of those stops in or out of the half or they don't get a, a steal a possession with B.J. Hill or they don't score when they score, they, they were very much very much on the ropes. And, and I think that's what you said, James. I think you use those exact words. The Bengals were on the ropes, but they, they bounced back. And that's, what's different about this team. They, they, 
have shown all year, yeah, the slow starts, but they've also made those second half adjustments, right? And that's what it was specifically, I would say, on the defensive side of the ball. I, I don't know actually if the offense adjusted as much in retrospect as I would have liked to have seen, but Joe Burrow doesn't flinch, so that's okay. We'll talk about Joe Burrow and what the offense did, but how about that defense, man? You come out letting Patrick Mahomes play a perfect first half. Last drive notwithstanding. Essentially a perfect first half. Essentially four touchdown drives. They didn't finish one. And he made a huge mistake in not getting points there. And, and you can blame Andy Reid, but Patrick Mahomes took the blame. Said he should have turfed the ball at the very worst. And, and he didn't. So then after halftime, you're thinking, man, how can how can the Bengals defense steal a possession here? How can they start to get some stops? What was going through your mind at that point? You said you you had a moment where you were thinking, what can the Bengals defense do? And how did that align with what they actually did? Yeah, it was actually right when the bank or the, the Chiefs get the ball with a minute and some change going to drive down before the half ended. And they hit that big play to Tyreek Hill and go out of bounds. And I'm just like, they cannot continue to sit and just play zone. I mean, they're just getting chewed apart here. The pass rush is non-existent. Um, they have to change something up. Something has to happen. And, I, and I, people are asking me, what are they doing? And I'm like, really? They're just playing zone, sitting back, and hoping to, you know, get Mahomes to run one way and commit one way, and they would all kind of flood that way. And he would, it just wasn't working. And um, at that point, I, people are like, well, what should they do? What? And I don't normally think that way in terms of schematically, okay, what would you do? But in that situation where it's do or die, where your season is on the line, actually had fun thinking of, all right, what can they do pieces wise? Can they match up man to man? Can they blitz? You don't want to blitz Mahomes, right? We know this. Can they play with a single high safety? You don't want to do that because the Chiefs have have killed that defense whenever teams finally break down and go back to it. Uh, so at, right at the end there, at the goal line, the Bengals actually do go man coverage. And that's how Tyreek Hill gets stopped at, at right, right at the goal line because Eli Apple is screaming through traffic behind all the defenders and cuts in, hits him at the right time and stops him. And it's because he's in man coverage finally. And maybe they could do that because it's goal line. You're not worried about getting beat over your head. But I think that propelled them into the, the halftime and coming out where Bengals said, okay, we can't just straight rush four. We're going to have to disguise it a little bit more. And I think they took Sam Hubbard being the key here and to let him – spy a little bit more and we see that pay dividends on the last play the last defensive play in regulation but they started doing this and saying all right for Hubbard you are going to kind of contain Mahomes we want to keep him in the pocket and if he tries to step up you're going to fill if he tries to go left or right and commit you're going to run with it and so that from the front already did a lot to help help the pass rush actually get home or at least make Mahomes feel like the internal clock almost sped up on him. I felt like more than a few times and threw it earlier than he had to. The B.J. Hill play was one of them. Uh, but on the back half, what the Bengals started to do there is start to play with more man coverage, started to bracket and bump. Kelsey started to bracket a little bit with Tyreek Hill, sometimes with the safety on that side directly getting involved, and sometimes it was the opposite side safety coming down for any crosser or slant or any post like that just to really get Mahomes' eyes off of him. And now it seemed like that's when I felt like his clock was like, okay, Kelsey's not there. Oh, they're bracketing Hill. I need to make a play. I need to make something happen. And that was all they needed. It was such a big difference because I think guys were open too. There were some play, some passes where – the ball is just tipping off their hands or just a little bit off. 
And Mahomes isn't that kind of guy where if he gets off his mark, that really affects him. That's never been a thing that's really hurt him. So to see it just miss, I started to think like, man, what are they doing? That's just enough to really have an impact on Mahomes. There are a couple of theories here. Sorry, James. There are a couple of theories here that I really like. One of them is uh, going back to the college tape and the way that teams defend like Mike Leach offenses and, and those air raid, you know, passing nonstop kind of kind of stuff and, and taking cues from that. I wonder if Luana Rimo did that because apparently Patrick Mahomes struggled against that some in college. The other thing here, Will Brinson and Ted and Wynn right now as we're re- recording are having this conversation. Maybe Luana Rimo held some of those adjustments until halftime so that I know. Andy Reid couldn't counter adjust at, at their halftime. I just thought that those are two little interesting theories to to throw out into the world yeah i actually made that same point yesterday that um maybe the bengals are okay if we can survive the first half we'll make these adjustments at halftime or or roll them out afterwards so that because there's there is talk about andy reed and his opening script and then how he adjusts right after that and then there's not the adjustments typically in the, later in the game as it goes you pretty much know what concepts they're trying to really hammer home that week uh so if you can wait it out and man, you've got to be—you got to have some balls to do that. No, I don't know if that's even allowed. You know, you—you've got to be strong in your convictions to be able to do that. We'll continue our conversation with Joe Goodberry next, but I have to tell you about BetOnline.net because, well, the big game is less than two weeks away, and yeah, the Bengals aren't favored, but they've been pretty good in the underdog role this postseason. So, if you want to wager on the Bengals, you could do it at BetOnline or. Maybe you just want to get in on some prop bets. Maybe you think Joe Burrow is going to win Super Bowl MVP. Matt Stafford is the favorite, by the way. You can do that and so much more at Bet Online, the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And by the way, it's not just football. They got basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, odds, coverage, the best in the business at betonline.net. So, Make sure you go there now, betonline.net, your number one online wagering destination, betonline, where the game starts. Joe, real quick, I want to ask you, when did you allow yourself to think that they could win the game? Jake mentioned when they got to 21-21, they're going into the fourth quarter and you're 15 minutes away, but they're down 18, you don't count them out. When did you allow yourself to say, oh my goodness, they might actually do this. You know, I probably didn't at any point until the Bengals had the ball in, the, in overtime, to be honest with oh, you. Wow. Because, yeah, because it, it, if you've watched enough Chiefs games, they are just so explosive that at any point they could break it. I mean, it doesn't yeah. take much. We watched them take the lead back against the Bills twice with like two minutes remaining in the game and then with 13 seconds and then in overtime. I mean, just – It just sometimes it clicks for them because they're that explosive and that good. Uh, But the Bengals just kept getting stops somehow. And then even when the Chiefs are driving down the field at the very end there, they I almost thought, let them score. Get the ball back to your offensive, uh, to get to Joe Burrow, and because that's your best chance of winning this game. And somehow they just got stops there. The, The flushing them out and getting Mahomes to step out of bounds, dive out of bounds. Great plays by Hendrickson. Great plays by Hubbard. Hubbard to spy. I think that play is is getting attention, but not enough. That final sack, forced fumble, that almost ended it right then and there. For him to spy and do like pull it out again, uh, they need Hubbard to to 
be that wild card for them in the front seven, which he's done a bunch this year and in the playoffs. I mean, all of these guys on the, on the defensive side have made plays throughout this, this three-game stretch here. It's, it's amazing. I'm going to make a highlight video because it's just so important to me to how well each guy has made their plays. But Hubbard there to, all right, he goes left, goes right. Okay, Kelsey's now gone. And now as, as I'm thinking like Mahomes, all right, left and right, he's not getting out of the pocket. He's going to step up now. You see that moment for Hubbard where he just puts that foot in the ground and goes straight at him and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, buckles down as he's getting closer and closer. And Mahomes has nowhere to go but try and turn around and spin away. And it's just like, wow, they actually have have the answer, whatever it was at that moment. I didn't know why without, without really seeing the film. But uh, at that point, that's when I was like, OK, they've got a chance to do this. Mahomes looked hesitant with whatever he was seeing the the first read or, or even the second read, as you mentioned, you know, you, you bump Kelsey, which I think maybe you undersell there a little bit, Joe, how, how disruptive that was to his game bump and then bracket at times, Kelsey really limited his impact and his ability to get into his route and, and into the, into the passing plays and just the, the way that they paid extra attention with that, that single high, Single high safety. They dropped eight, but they were still playing single high and they were dropping the other safety down to Rob or actually it wasn't always dropping the safety down. It was sometimes it was a corner. Sometimes yeah. it was a linebacker. They were getting creative flowers with who, they were, who they were putting in that hole. Yeah. Trey flowers did a, did a really nice job, I think as well. I mean, they had a play where against 11 personnel, they had seven defensive backs on the field. And and they got Mahomes to run around with it, and and eventually it's not a sack, but it's not a complete pass either. Uh, Nate Tice, over on the Athletic Football Show, I think did a great job highlighting Logan Wilson on those last two plays when they dropped it as well, getting into the passing lane, causing uh, a little bit of hesitation from Patrick Mahomes, including the play where I think it's Byron Pringle who's like jumping up and down in the end zone after he doesn't get the ball, thinking he's open. And Logan Wilson is just like kind of perfectly splits the difference between Kelsey and, and Pringle on that play to make, to make uh, Mahomes hesitate just long enough to come off it. And Mahomes missed like three guys on that play because his, what he was expecting to see versus what he got was so different. And it's so hard to confuse Patrick Mahomes that way, but he, he does also have this in his history you go back to college, you know, the, the Brett Favre reputation. You go back to the people that say he's he's really lucky and he gets away with a lot of balls that should be picked. And so, you know, the reputation is there. And even, even the last pick of the game that, that Jesse Bates makes a great play on, really nicely passed off for Mike Hilton to the safeties, really perfectly played bracket, perfectly played by Jesse Bates, perfectly played on the tip drill by Von Bell, right? And it's just this, this, Defense as a, as a team that's come together with, I've called him on Twitter, mad scientist Lou Anarumo, man. Last week, putting a 1,000 pounds of defensive tackles between the tackles to stop Derrick Henry. This week, going with seven defensive backs, three defensive linemen, one linebacker against Patrick Mahomes. The, the versatility, variability, multiple nature of this Bengals defense really showing up. You know, the thing that I really loved about it, and you guys will do more film stuff with Mike tomorrow, I, it, but, you know, for, you've got a lot of listeners now, maybe some more casual listeners that don't know, but the, a lot of today's NFL offense versus defense is how many safeties are you keeping in the middle of the field? Is it two or is it one? Is it middle of the field open, which means two deep safeties, 
or is it middle of the field close? Which means you have a, a single free safety uh, in the middle of the field and offenses normally attack the boundary in that scenario. Uh, what the Bengals or what teams usually do is they will show you one or or two. Let's say this way. They'll, they'll show you one look before the snap, switch it after the snap so that the quarterback thinks he's getting one thing. They've switched it. Now I've got to adjust and go there, go, go to the opposite, uh, whatever you're giving me. What the Bengals did on a few plays that I thought was really awesome, and I want to highlight it, is normally at the snap, you're going to rotate that, right? So you're showing one thing, the ball snap, as the quarterback's dropping back, you're going to bring that one safety down into a robber look. Now you got one uh, safety deep. What the Bengals were doing was holding it almost two counts, one and a half counts, and then bringing that robber down, which I think was just enough to give Mahomes a little bit of hesitation of like, instead of right at the snap, you're bringing that other safety directly down into a spot because they really, really weren't worried about it. It's like, okay, are they going to run deeper routes and try and beat us deep? No, they're not. Bring your guy down now. And so like that little bit of just reading it and reacting, and you got to have some veteran safeties to do this. And the Bengals love their safeties. They're two good players that they can really count on and, and interchange like this. That little bit of hesitancy that I'm seeing that most teams don't do or don't trust their safeties to be able to hold was the biggest difference, I think, in in this game plan. Yeah, I, I like the nickname, by the way, the mad scientist, Louis Arumo. Uh, you know, I just quick story because it's fun uh, to to share these like little tidbits of things. I uh, I saw Lou the night before the game fist bumped him and I was like, how you feeling? He's like, I feel good. And I was like, no, how are you feeling about tomorrow? He's like, oh, I feel really good. And he smiled. So, hey, I whatever. I, I wasn't going to like say that ahead of the game because especially when it's 21-3, but, uh, you know, I'll say it now and I don't think he would mind. But uh, I that's got to be the biggest shock. Is that fair? The biggest shock this year? It's not that Joe's good. Joe Burrow's good. Joe Goodberry's good too, I guess. But Joe Burrow's really good or, or Jamar Chase. Lou Anarumo's seat was hotter than Zach Taylor's. In this defense now, they're so multiple, and they they form, and they have these guys. Like, you know, Trey Flowers is suddenly making big plays. Ask people in Seattle if they thought he was going to make big plays when the Bengals claimed him, right? And Eli Apple, the whole city of uh, of New Orleans hates Eli Apple still, and yet he's still tweeting at Tyreek Hill and, and McCole Hartman after the game. I mean, it's uh, it's not like it's all like top picks. Uh, you know, that are, are fresh out. You know, it's not like the first pick, Burrow, the fifth pick, Chase. It's guys that were kind of off the scrap heap, and, and he's making them and, and putting them in position to have success. You're right. A lot of credit for Luana Rumo. And, and you know what? As a whole, I think even still, the defense is being underrated and Luana Rumo is being underrated. And, you know, you'll hear that if you watch any national stuff, because everyone's excited right now. So I want to see what what the takes are throughout the, the the football world. And a lot of it is, oh, Burrow and Burrow, his attitude and and how the encapsulates or, or everything about this team and how the, the franchise just absorbed it, which is all the things we said we hoped would happen. And so fair to give credit there. But I think when you look at it more broadly than that, and say they brought in a lot of stone-cold killers that just don't care about the moment at all. And Jamar Chase and Evan McPherson, right? Those guys get talked about. But then I also think, like, Trey Hendrickson blacks out at times and just starts taking over moments. And I go, this he looks up and he looks at the camera sometimes, and they catch him, and I'm like, he looks like a psycho right now. I think he's completely lost his mind. And, and then you Jesse Bates making plays. Jesse Bates didn't get the contract extension, had an up-and-down year, right? He has been amazing in the playoffs. Crunch time performers. We've seen this team make other teams make the playoffs and just 
falter in these big moments and under the bright lights. And it was really what they were known for from 2011 to 2015. It is the exact opposite. They're all making plays. They all feel slighted in some way, especially the guys on defense, the guys you mentioned, right? DJ Reader was slighted about the way they talked about this finesse team uh, going into that Titans game. You know, I, I think Sam Hubbard takes offense to some of the, when we say, because I think we all feel it some way halfway in uh, how many games this year. They don't have the pass rush to get to this team. It's all Trey Hendrickson. And then somehow Hubbard ends up with one and a half sacks, two sacks, a clutch play. That has happened so many times this year. These guys, for whatever reason, they, yes, it's Burrow and that personality, but I think they've brought in a lot of captains from college or, or, or from other teams and a lot of just killers that just are mad at the world and want to prove everyone wrong. On defense, veterans, guys from winning teams, winning programs, and captains. Like you said, big point of emphasis there. We haven't talked about Joe Burrow hardly at all, and we're 20 minutes into this episode. Maybe we should finish there. We'll talk Joe Burrow in this offense in this clutch, clutch game as this team has a clutch gene coming up next. But first, I have to tell you about our friends at Rock Auto because there's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation. I have reliable transportation. I'm blessed. And that's why I was able to drive to Kansas City, Kansas City and instead of waiting for multiple layovers. I just decided to drive. And, well, rockauto.com is the place I use to make sure I stay on the road, reliable transportation, even in the cold, even in the snow. It doesn't matter because rockauto.com has my back. So not only do they have every part you can imagine for your car, but you're going to save money. 30, 50, even 100% less than some of these other places that are selling parts for your car. And it doesn't matter what you drive. Everyone knows that I drive a Daewoo. You can easily find parts for your Daewoo, your Chevy Corvette, your Honda Civic, Joe Goodberry's Volkswagen GTI in one spot, rockauto.com. So go there now, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box, so they know we sent you? Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Like riding a bike, Rock Auto. Like riding a bike for Joe Burrow, too, <laughs> in the big moments, man. The guy never falters. He, he, he wasn't perfect on Sunday against the Chiefs. He, he threw a pick. Could have thrown another pick that would have been very unfortunate, but Nick Bolton dropped it on the sideline. Oh. What a but, bad throw that was. Go ahead. Ooh. But but despite those issues, th- they made the plays when they needed to. There, there's a couple things that I want to talk about on the offensive side of the ball. Well, three, really, that, that we should probably get to. And James, if you have more, absolutely feel free to chip in. Joe, you too, if you guys have more more topics that, are, that I'm not about to rattle off. But one, under center game. The under center play action game, the under center run game, especially on first down in this game. It's just one of those things where I should learn my lesson and not say if they do it again next week, it might bite them because I, I didn't think that there were a lot of things that were repeatable out of that Chiefs win in week 17 that the Bengals then went out and repeated in, in the conference championship game. But some of that stuff is concerning for me. The other thing is, is of course, pass protection. And now I'm not remembering the third thing. Maybe it's clutch wow. plays. Maybe All of that buildup. Yeah. Okay. I think it's clutch plays because all this stuff doesn't end up mattering. Joe Burrow ends up breaking three sacks and hitting T Higgins when he needs to having two number one receivers, by the way, Joe, I saw you compiled T Higgins, 16 game stats. 17. I, I think this year, 17 game stats really impressive. 
counting stats for T Higgins, but those are the big topics for me. When I, when I look at back at this offense and I'm saying, throw the under center stuff out and go shotgun, reinstall shotgun, go back to last year if you need to. And, and I hate to say it, but the under center game, I, I mean, d- do we go back to that? If we're Zach Taylor next week, after seeing what it did this week? Yeah, it's tough, right? Because we've talked about play action as a whole this year as just being kind of hit and miss for this team. You know, you should play action is kind of a cheat code in today's NFL, and the Bengals haven't been able to master it or at least get the advantage I feel like other teams get out of it. Uh, so that makes it kind of tough to completely abandon it because you kind of feel like it should be there for them if they can ever get a consistent run game going or just execute it, you know, a little bit better. Like they had the one uh, play action play to T Higgins down the left side that ended up, you know, being a, a pretty big game, maybe their biggest game of the, of the game. And a brilliant design on that play. Yeah. Two man route. They they run both Chase and and Higgins straight at Tyron Matthew, safety. who's their only deep half safety on that play. There's nobody else with him. Tyron Matthew can't be right. Go ahead. Jay. Right. Right. So those are why you want the play action under center stuff, because you're going to get now one-on-one situations. You would hope that to, in order to uh, create these shot plays, if you watch the chiefs, like halfway through the game, they were like, okay, the Bengals are running it whenever they're under center. We're going to commit to defending that, which makes sense because it looks very clear when the Bengals are running it. They're either, if they're under center, it's a run or it's a play action. And I think you'll take those bets if you can get to Burrow before you can get the ball off, which defenses seem to be able to 50-50 that and get to them. So, you know, I'm not sure it's as big of an advantage as it should be for the Bengals to be under center running play action. I'm with you, Jake, on that. I think they're a much better shotgun team. I think they've run it really well out of shotgun. I think Mixon's run really well out of of shotgun. And we should also say Mixon had some clutch plays as well, especially in that overtime drive. Uh, I think actually think he was never even touched on that one that he broke out and, you know, kind of just got up and celebrated. But it is what it is. And, uh, yes, I'm with you on on those points. Yeah. um, I'm I'm trying to think here about – I got it. We got to work Burrow in more. Uh, because you're, you're, what are we, we're 26 minutes in now, not a lot of burrow, uh, you know, and, and yeah, he did have some, some ugly plays. The, the thing I, I loved watching about burrow and you mentioned it a little bit, Jake is him in the pocket breaking free. Uh, first it was, it was Chris Jones on, on was a third and six. He runs for seven yards. That play was insane. And then he runs for 11 yards, uh, three plays later and, and extends that drive. And it's the, the go ahead field goal at the time. But, that's the Joe Burrow we saw at LSU, and I mentioned this before the game. I, I went to, uh, uh, I went on YouTube and I checked out this, like sort of the highlights uh, of what happened Bama LSU from 2019 because he used his feet a lot in that game to extend drives and in, in, in critical moments and stuff of, of that game because it was really competitive, such a fun game to watch. And I was like, man, maybe this is that type of game. And they knew it too. Apparently, Burrow said, "Hey, I, I might have to run for you know 100 yards." He joked with Zach Taylor, and you know they're doubling Boyd and doubling Chase. And I, I just goes without saying, but it's good to see that he's all the way back that way, where he's making those type of instinctual plays that he that make him special and that uh, have him in this position. You know, the 86 passer rating, I think it's only the second time this year where they had a worse passer rating than their opponent and still won the game. So it's a very um, playoff type performance playoffs are weird man it it just i look back what was it the last week's game the rams and bucks they showed the nfc championship game from 2000 i think it was 2001 and uh rams that high scoring 
greatest show on turf, beat the Bucks 11 to six. Like, that's weird. It just happens that you, you run into these teams. The game plans are strong. The teams are strong. The coaches are strong. All of these games have been close since the divisional round throughout the playoffs. You just got to find a way to make a play when it counts. Uh, to get more specific on Burrow, though, there was that first deep ball, not deep, maybe it was more of a red zone fade or red zone go ball to T. Higgins where Higgins gets gets his arm held, almost catches it one-handed. Like, that's a good throw from Burrow. I think he followed it up. With, right. I think he followed it up with another good throw to Chase on the right sideline. Chase actually scored. It almost looks exactly the same. He catches like two of those that look exactly the same the last time they play the Chiefs. Difference here is he doesn't get that left hand over to get two hands on the ball, and it kind of bounces off between um, Ward and, and Chase at the same time. I thought both good throws. And then I thought he followed up a couple vertical balls to Higgins that went out of bounds where I thought Higgins had body position if you give him back shoulder or whatever the case may be. Uh, and so it was hit or miss there where I felt like, the Bengals could have been in a much better situation. That's the thing about the Chiefs, too. I, I mentioned this after the complaining of Chiefs fans after Week 17. They hold all year. They That's what they do. They are a very physical man cover in the back half. You can't complain when you get the flags because they don't get called a lot in the playoffs. You're not going to get the penalties. You're not going to get the flags. For the Bengals to survive it the way they did is really impressive because – the game does change like that so much. And I think that's part of it. Like I started this, you know, talking about the stats and how it's much different. Scoring is different in the playoffs. They don't throw the flags. You can't wait for it. You you guys got to go up and make the plays. Especially this crew. Like going into the game, it was a talking point. This crew isn't going to throw flags. The Bengals defense, that's part of the adjustment they made that, you know, you hear Chiefs, can't, Chiefs fans complaining about. But, you know, I think that the refs missed calls in both directions in this game that hurt both teams that they only threw the flags when they absolutely had to yeah. in this game. And and they let these defensive backs get physical. And it, it was to the Chiefs' advantage, I think, in the first half, to the Bengals' advantage a little bit in the second half. I think that that's just smart game management. If they're not going to call it, take take that advantage. If you're seeing the other team get away with it, and credit the, the officials for being somewhat consistent here, or, or I would say fairly consistent here, even you know a good level of consistency, the, the Bengals taking advantage of that. But the, the couple things that stand out to me about Burrow's game, one, the play action stuff we talked about, he's just, it, whether it's him or, or the way they run play action, because they just pass that on play action. And, and so I'm not really sure what the point is when most of these, these defensive linemen and linebackers are reading the linemen anyway. Like you're turning your back to the line of scrimmage and you're just pass setting anyway. And, and then you have guys on Burrow as soon as he turns around. 5 of 11 on play action on 12 dropbacks was pressured on 7 of 12 of those dropbacks. So about 56% of the time was sacked once there, threw a pick there. On his non-play action dropbacks, pressured 33% of the time. 10 out of 30 on, on the non-play action dropbacks. So, you know, that's that's much more reasonable, about 33%, right? Pressure rate for the games, game ends up at 40 because they're having issues with play action. So that that's my kind of play action issue. But the other thing that really stands out to me is the deep shots were there. That was part of the game plan. They took those shots. They didn't hit them the same way, but it was still part of the game plan. But the way that they've adjusted the offense this week, last week is the intermediate passing game has just disappeared this week, three of five with a drop on intermediate passes for 57 yards. And that, that's not enough 
not enough to that part of the field because Joe Burrow is so good in that part of the field. 18 of his attempts between zero and nine yards downfield, five of those attempts behind the line of scrimmage. Big, big screen game. Six screens for the Bengals in this game. But that's the adjustment. They know they can't block, so Burrow's finding the easiest read, making it easy for himself, and just getting the ball out quick. He's hitting the back foot and throwing. You know, I think a part of that, not using the middle of the field in the intermediate area this week, we should say C.J. Azama obviously got hurt early in this game. He has been a big, in the first, the Raiders and the Titans game, he had nice uh, big plays down the middle of the, of the field, really to keep the defense honest. I think when he went out, I mean, Drew Sample comes in, he may be even a better blocker than Azama, but he's just, you just see him, he's slow off the line. He's just, he's not a threat. Um, also, I, I think they wanted to put the running backs into the flats more to maybe entice to get if they're going to play cover two and play a zone to get that boundary corner to come down onto that uh, to that running back rather than it be versus cover two. A lot of times it's hit the middle of the field, the seam or check down to your running back right over the middle. And the Bengals didn't have that. They had instead P Ryan out on what she scored on, uh, but into the flats or off to the side rather than over the middle. So that could have been just an adjustment for how they wanted to attack the Chiefs and then missing Uzama. Yeah, and, and speaking of Uzama, he suffered a sprained MCL confirmed by Zach Taylor. Um, it doesn't sound like there's any other damage, and uh, that's obviously good news, but who knows? Maybe there's a, an outside shot that he could suit up against the Rams. But uh, overall, uh, you know, when you, you have to undergo that MRI, it's good that there isn't any other damage long-term for Uzama who's going to be a free agent, so that's worth noting. And I do think he would have had an impact. I think there were times, especially since they were – doubling chase and doubling Boyd having CJ out there would have made a, you know, a big difference and uh, it, uh, or, or at least a difference, right. Where he didn't, he didn't have to run for, for four first downs in the game like he did, but it's um, without him, it, there's clearly a drop off. And I don't know what the answer is. There's going to be a lot of people that say Thad Moss in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, last I checked, he's still on injured reserve. On the Autumn Tate. Spot, but, yeah. Tate. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. They, they have to make a decision, I believe, unless there's different postseason rules. They have to make a decision on Auden Tate by Wednesday. This week. Yeah, February this week. Yep. 2nd is, is the cutoff date. That, that would be three he, weeks from when they returned him to practice, designated him for return off the IR. He traveled with the team, too. So yeah. you, would imagine, you would think he's getting close. So may, maybe that is the route they go. It'll be interesting to see if they actually put him at tight end. Uh, I, I, they, they've it's done one it. one game. Yeah. That, that's the beauty of this. Like people are like, oh, how are they going to block Aaron Donald? Or how, if you're Zach Taylor, you're Brian Callahan, it's one game, it's 60 minutes, and you can get creative and you can do what you need to do to squeak out a win. And that's obviously what Lou did and, and what this team has done, you know, multiple times this, this postseason. That, that's what it comes down to, right? Is, is each of these postseason games is like, do right. just enough. Maybe it's not pretty. Maybe it doesn't go the way that fans want it to go. But you're in the Super Bowl, and now you just need to do just enough. Whatever it takes. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're going to have a ton of Super Bowl coverage on the Locked On Bengals podcast. James and I will be in Los Angeles next week. Plenty of good stuff coming to you from L.A. We've We're trying to negotiate more. with Joe. We're trying to negotiate with Joe. We'll see. We'll see if we can get him to sneak out there. I that's don't know. That's right. That's right. So really looking forward to the Radio Row stuff we'll have for you next week and, and more details to come there, of course. Still some time to reflect on the AFC Championship as well. Mike Bengal-Sands will join us tomorrow for a film review. We're not going to jump straight into the Rams and those matchups quite yet, but we're going to shift gears and, and shift our focus shortly thereafter. So a little bit more 
basking in the afterglow of the AFC Championship before we turn our sights fully to Super Bowl 56 LVI in Roman numerals, I believe. So until next time, Bengals fans, that's what you have to look forward to on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay and have a good one.